Is there life beyond passwords? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz with Information Security Media Group, and I'm going to be talking beyond passwords and using advanced risk-based and user biometrics with Neil Warburton. Neil, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. So Neil, you're European Security Architect Lead for IBM Security. We've recently had a roundtable in London on this concept of life beyond passwords, talking about using advanced risk-based and user biometrics. Mm-hmm. A lot of people now have an iPhone or a smartphone that has a fingerprint reader built into it. We've seen rapid changes in how biometrics are being used, both inside organizations with employees, as well as with consumers and customers. With all that in mind, what do you see as the future of biometrics facing us now? So, as you say, people are now becoming much more comfortable with biometrics. The iPhone and Android phones with built-in fingerprint readers making people much more comfortable, happy with the use, face recognition is coming online as well. And having that ease of use in the consumer space, they're now taking that to work and going, why can't I use this mechanism for authentication at work? And we are seeing customers, corporations adopting that, using the the mobile phone as a second factor, as well as other biometrics also being explored, being used, and maybe some others like voice maybe falling out of fashion. So there's a little bit of a fashion industry going around on biometrics, but the authentication stakes are definitely, you know, people are willing to pick that up. Single sign-on. One of the topics from the roundtable that we heard was there are still single sign-on challenges. Why? So single sign-on is a challenge because there's lots of legacy applications that have hard-coded built-in authentication mechanisms. They're not that open. However, there are features, IBM has solutions around you know, the ability to do single sign-on to live between the user and the application and invoke biometrics. So sending push notifications to your phone to use your fingerprint to authenticate that it's you. So it's a combination of single sign-on and multi-factor authentication that people are looking to get towards. Um, there'll be a long tail of legacy applications that you know that will never die, that, that are going to be there for a while and they may be inconvenient until people refresh them, there will still be single sign-on challenges. I don't see it going away tomorrow, but maybe maybe next year. Speaking of challenges, passwords, are we ever going to see the death of them? No. (laughs) Uh, Quick answer. Passwords, they're the lowest common denominator. I, I can't see a situation where you will there will never be a password used again. There will be, you know, people that need to initiate New systems will, you know, one of the first things they do is create a user ID and password that is the, the root account and the root of all evil will then spread on. Lots of the consumers might use multi-factor, single sign-on, biometrics, but the administrators will always fall back to using a PIN, a password or some other you know, physical presence type thing. So I don't think we've seen the end of passwords. I think we've probably seen the peak of consumer passwords. But they'll again, there'll be a long tail of existence of passwords. But meanwhile, we see biometrics becoming more and more mainstream. Correct. So biometric for authentication, as well as behavioral biometrics. So there's the pre and the post logon event. So using 
biometrics and again we've so we spoke about fingerprint readers face recognition we've also there was a story uh, the other day about heart rate and ECG providing a fairly unique biometric been through the history of palm readers and vein readers and thumbprint recognition and earprint was one that was proposed so biometric for authentication is a bit of a fashion industry but the behavioral biometrics of how you're using a device again there's probably a lot of mileage in that for continuous assurance that the user who authenticated is still at the device and again mobile phones confess a lot of information from the gyros and the accelerometers and the orientation the wi-fi the cell position the gps coordinates it's an amazing amount of data you can get that assures that this this user is still in control of that device so i see biometric authentication going hand in glove with the behavioral biometrics to establish a range of trusts about who the user is and what they're doing and also then the number of biometric factors that can be used or which are useful increasing as well? Yes. So, so again, if you're going to use device biometrics, so fingerprint readers and face recognition on the device, you're going to be constrained by, I don't think Apple or, or Google want to put in you know, a fingerprint reader and a face camera and an ECG. Although maybe if you've got an Apple Watch, so you could get your heart rate off your Apple Watch and a face recognition if you're willing to spend money, lots of money with Apple. So that may be a reinforcement factor. Again, we'll probably back off to lowest common denominators and there will be one biometric factor for most users. Then we might wish to, of course, step up if the user is doing a brand new transaction or a, or a particularly high value transaction, we might then want another mechanism just to step up, maybe a voice print or something like that. Based on your risk analysis? Based on risk, yeah, your risk profile of the risk of the user, where the user is, how long it is that they've done that? Are they doing something that's unusual that might trigger a re-authentication, a step-up authentication, or just a straightforward no? It's interesting with biometrics that consumers really seem to be driving this space. Yes. It seems like organizations, I don't know if this is the first time this has happened with technology, used to be you got the best technology issued by your employer. Obviously, growth of BYOD, and now those BYOD devices, if you're a corporate employee, have got, as you were saying, fingerprint reading capability built in, that's good. Facial recognition capability built in, that's good. Is the space going to continue, do you think, to be driven by consumers and their appetite for these sorts of technologies? I think, yes. I think the consumer experience that has been revealed by Apple, so you know, Apple's been leading the way predominantly, I think, has forced corporates to relook at what they've been doing and what they've been been forcing people to use short passwords with combinations of upper and lowercase and punctuation and hash signs and all that type of stuff. So complex, horrible passwords that are impossible to remember. And it comes back to, we spoke earlier about password managers. So corporates have been imposing those on their employee victims and people are now pushing back saying, you know, I've got this device, can't I just use my fingerprint on the device, a push notification. And the answer to that is, you know, technology is now in place, the standards are in place, Open ID Connect, push notifications, so we can get away from having horrible short passwords to using multi-factor push notifications and make the employee user experience much more aligned to the consumer orientation because 
consumers can always go elsewhere, employees find it less difficult to go elsewhere given they, you know, these are the tools that they've been given and they have to live with them. So yes, you know, the short answer is yes, the consumer space is driving what is possible and the corporate space is catching up. So hopefully driving us toward this ease of use paradigm we've seen now in the consumer space, yeah. backed by greater levels of assurance. Correct, yes. So greater levels of assurance, well, again, it's part of that. We're now also bringing the device makers into the biometric supply chain, if you want to use that phrase. So we're now trusting that Apple, Samsung, Google, whoever owns the mobile phone device, which is what we're predominantly talking about, do we trust them not to dial down their false positives sufficiently to compromise the whole identity, you know, the whole authentication supply chain. We need to be aware of that and we perhaps need a backup. What's your fallback if Apple notifications suddenly stop? You know, you're perhaps introducing a single point of failure that we need to be aware of and also have a workaround. And the fallback might be go to your passwords, which of course you remember, but if you're using biometrics, you've probably forgotten, so therefore you need a password manager, so therefore you know, it then becomes a virtual circle. You've got strong authentication on your mobile device, but the fallback is a strong password, but you can't remember that strong password, so therefore you need a password manager. And I know it's a topic that's dear to your heart, password managers. Oh yes, I've been advocating for them for years, but we're getting more layers to the puzzle almost than fewer. Yeah, I think so. But we live in a rich and complex environment these days, so uh, having multiple methods of authentication, multiple biometrics, multiple... And people have multiple personas, so maybe they want a fingerprint um, authentication for one set of services and a face recognition for another set. Again, perhaps dependent on the device supporting multiple biometric inputs. As there are more kinds of biometrics that are being brought to bear here, there is more ways, obviously, that these can be consumed as services. How do you see that changing or evolving as we go forward? So there's going to be a push and pull between on-device biometrics, so the Apple, uh, Google, Samsung type view versus the server side, so capturing a voice print and doing the authentication at the back end. And there's going to be a range of options across that space. So I can see that blockchain and self-sovereign identity playing a part in this. I give consent for you to capture my biometrics um, you know, or at least verify my biometrics against some blockchain capability. And we've also maybe in the realms of if the authentication mechanism becomes much stronger, then the registration process becomes the weak link that attackers will have a go at. So part of this never-ending security one-upmanship, if you remove all possibility of compromise in the authentication event, registration becomes the weakness or authentication bypass attacks become much more lucrative for the bad guys. So no matter what you do, obviously someone's going to be trying to find the weak link. That's right, which is why we'll probably always have a job in the security industry, because it's a never-ending escalation. But hopefully one made easier thanks to biometrics. Neil, thanks very much for your time and insights today. You're welcome. Thanks, Matthew. I've been speaking about advanced risk-based and user biometrics with IBM Security's Neil Warburton. I'm Matthew Schwartz with Information Security Media Group. Thanks for joining us.